Welcome to the Do The Woo Podcast Roundtable, episode 137. Robert, did you know it was episode 137? Of course I you did, know. because I read the meeting notes. Okay, well done. <laughs> I'm, I'm joined here by three panelists and Job Thomas, who's the head of support at WooCommerce. First, let me introduce all the uh, the panelists. Um, I'm going to start just with myself. My name is Ronald. Uh, I work for Yith, and I'm being joined here by Robert, Robert Jacoby. Uh, give us a quick one line of who you work for and maybe your highlight of the week. Uh, Robert Jacoby, director of WordPress for Cloudways. And the highlight of the week, of course, seeing all my friends here. Well, seeing them, you, everyone else is going to hear them, but I get to actually see them. Good answer. Uh, Robbie, welcome back for another episode. Thank you. Quick introduction to yourself. Yes, I'm Robbie Adair with uh, OS Training, and we have training on WordPress, WooCommerce, and, and various other uh, platforms out there. And uh, gee, now Robert set the precedent. I'm going to have to say this is the highlight of my week, see, because now he's put the stress on me. <laughs> Still the right answer. Uh, Tonya, um, welcome. Welcome back. Thanks. Um, tell us a little bit about what uh, about your highlight and what, you, what you're working and who you work for. Sure. So, hi, I'm Tanya Mork. Uh, I work for Automatic and I work full-time uh, in the WordPress open, uh, open source project as a contributor there. Uh, highlight of my week. Well, I just came back from vacation, so uh, I'm still kind of in that mode of where am I? What's going on? But uh, further down in the uh, in today's episode, I'm going to ask you more questions about where you've been. But don't don't reveal that yet, because I'll just make us all so jealous. But surely this is also your high, highlight of the week. Absolutely, being here with all of you. You bet. Right, and we are being joined by Job Thomas. Uh, Job works for uh, WooCommerce or Automatic as well, and you are the head of support. Yes, that's correct. Wow, that's. Um, that's a role. I, I sometimes ask people, do you ever have sleepless nights? And I can imagine you see a lot of tickets, a lot of problems, usually problems, isn't it? Because you don't tend to give, uh, you know, compliments if you come through the support channel. So first of all, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> um, I actually sleep quite well, uh, mostly because uh I became a parent about 10 months ago, so every bit of sleep I can get, I my body seems to want to take. So uh, blessing in disguise. Um, it's, um, I, I think throughout the years, you learn to distance yourself from from what uh, customers or users are, are saying to you. And um, I, it doesn't bug me that much anymore. Um, I know with, with some, uh, some of the team members find it uh, emotionally super challenging if especially if someone is rude and swears a lot um i remember at one point we uh we received threats that someone was going to visit us at our offices um you don't have anymore well we still have a we actually still have an office in cape town no one's there ever but we still have one in cape town but this person was going to travel all the way to cape town and uh, come handle us and i was thinking good luck <laughs> um but uh so uh, i i think you learn to take distance from it because at, at the end of the day um, you also learn to see the bigger picture in, in the sense that the majority of customers aren't getting in touch with us and they are the ones who are happy with our product that we see in 
in the meetups, in the uh, on the WordCamps that we see in the reviews, the leave five star ratings and so on. Um, and and that's that's people that are a big chunk of our business, but they they don't need our help. Yeah. Um, also, the majority of our customers are really friendly and and patient and understanding. Also, in in terms of what we're dealing with, um, I, I think the if we're talking about what keeps me up, um, the the people I have a much closer relationship with are the people working in the Wu division, and uh, that's uh, um, that's a group that's much closer to my heart in the sense that I I want to make sure that they're doing well and that they have. Uh, everything that they need to do their work, but also that their life isn't negatively affected by their work. Um, and that's that they feel a space at, at WooCommerce to flourish. Um, I, uh, I like that approach to leadership in general, uh, creating space for others to, to flourish. In. Nice. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey uh, into WooCommerce. Um, where did you start and how did you first get involved? It's one of those journeys that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I um, I was working, so I have a background in educational sciences on one hand, and then in uh, theology and religious studies on the other hand. And uh, when I just moved to South Africa, uh, I I came to I'm Belgian, and I moved to South Africa for uh, the best reason in the book, which is uh, love. <laughs> My wife is South African, um, so when I moved here, I needed a job, and I found a, a startup college where I could join as a um, as a New Testament theologian, um, but it was a fairly toxic environment and I needed something else. Uh, theology is not a very, uh, I would say, um, it's not a, a field where there's loads of job opportunities. Um, plus added to that, that I found the field in South Africa fairly male and white, and I didn't want to be at another uh, one of those next to it. So I, I thought it would be good to not uh, take up that space. Um, so I started looking around and one of my friends at the time was working for, uh, for WooCommerce. Uh, that's before the acquisition uh, by Automatic. And we just started brainstorming a bit. What would someone with an educational sciences background uh, contribute to Woo? Um, so I, I wrote a, a document that explained how I could help out with Sensei, which was a, a product of Woo Themes. Um, how I could help with internal training, with uh, customer education. And I sent that document to them together with an argument on why I should get that job. Uh, and they were interested. I had a, an, uh, an interview and they offered me a job shortly after that. So I've, I've tried a few different things uh, since then at the company, but always stayed within uh, what I think is, is educating customers and, and people. Wow. That's a fascinating story. It's really interesting. You know, it's quite personal as well. Um, so once you sort of started with uh, w working within WooCommerce, which is seven, eight years ago? Uh, just under seven, yeah, almost seven years. And, you know, starting in your original role and where you are now, was that a, you know, straight line journey or you've dabbled with different departments? Not entirely. I mean, I, I've always stayed very close to what we call happiness. So we, we uh, call the support division the happiness division, um, which often puts a smile on customers' faces, well, especially if they've received good support and they're not irritated with it. But when I started, I, I focused on those things that I described in, in my document. And one of the first bigger projects I worked on was revamping the onboarding for employees uh, at the company. 
Um, it was a bit of a all over the show story, and uh, I I just tried to bring that together, bring a bit more line in that. A few months later, I we became the smallest team in the in the company with two people, uh, me and the videographer, and we started focusing on on training customers. So he focused purely on on the, the tutorial videos, on the documentations, uh, on the docs pages on uh, on Woo, um, and I continued to focus on internal training and documentation. And we had a few people join uh, to take on those roles later. And then I think two or three years later, we did some restructuring within uh, Happiness where we wanted to focus a bit more on time zone-based uh, teams because we noticed that the we were before that focused on specialties. So we, we would have a shipping team, we would have a payments team, a pre-sales team. But in some of those teams, there would be one person in, in the... Americas, now Americas would always have more, but one person in the APAC uh, time zone with not a lot of overlap resulting into no good team cohesion, um, struggling to to bond with, with teammates, basically. So we, we thought also that specialization to that degree had, had some challenges. I'm, I'm happy to elaborate on that in, in a bit, but we did an overhaul focused on time zones uh, and I was the only... UTC plus based time zone uh, uh, person um, with lead experience and uh, the head of support uh, for the whole company asked me if uh, if I'd be interested in in that challenge and, and I took it on and then together with the five and then later six of us we uh, we led the division so automatic has a fairly flat structure so the six of us would make the decisions we would be coached by someone but the leadership was done by the six of us until about a year ago, we came to the point where we noticed that no one really owning the decision-making process led to us not moving as fast as we could. Um, so we created the division lead role for, for each of the happiness divisions. And uh, I, I applied for the, the one at WooCommerce and uh, here I am. Um, the first six months of, uh, well, of the first year, I took six months of parental leave. So my experiences have been very interesting so far. Wow. Tonya, I know you, you have a lot of questions when it comes to uh, support and self-help. Um, maybe you want to touch a bit on that, how that is structured. Yeah. I also have a little bit of experience in, in helping to reshape and reorganize a support division. So I have lots of questions there, but that's probably <laughs> a bit more off topic. I think initially what struck me, and then we can come back to the the self-service and self-help side of it is the team has grown fast, right? You went from two to what, over 80 or so now? Yeah. So, I mean, we had more happiness engineers at the time. Um, I was, I was leading a, a team of two, including me. Um, but there were, I think we had, at that time had about 20 happiness engineers in total. Um, and now indeed we are, I think, around 85 so especially the last few months we've seen a massive growth um to give an example i came back from from my second batch of parental leave mid-may and in the first two or three weeks i assigned i think 15 or 16 people to to a team um so there's it, it's not just those 20 people that we started with there's been a lot of people moving to different teams within automatic a few people 
uh, going for other opportunities outside of the company. So there's also been a lot of uh, moving through the the happiness division. It's it's very rapid growth, and it's been it's been interesting, challenging, definitely. Um, I very much appreciate that new people coming in always bring fresh perspectives. Um, I, I think it's dangerous when you are used to doing things a certain way that you take them for granted and don't question them anymore. Um, so new people bring a lot to the table. The same goes, by the way, for leads. Uh, when I came back from my parental leave, uh, we had eight teams by that time, and uh, six of the team leads were in it for less than half a year. So that's a very new group, again, which brings a very nice dynamic in the sense that lots of questions are asked. And I think if we can't give a good answer to to the questions, then probably we shouldn't be doing things the way we're doing it. That's right. Um, but it's a good moment to reflect on how we're doing things and get those uh, those those eyes on it. It also means that it's it's very challenging in terms of handing out handing over internal knowledge. Um, we used, especially when we started, a lot of the knowledge was just in our heads and we would pass it on to the next person joining. Um, but now we, we're moving much more towards a, an approach where we try to document things, where we try to put logic in how per, how people go through all of, uh, all of the things they need to know f- of the company. Um, we've recently, for example, formed a, a full onboarding team. So what they do is... Um, these are a few people from each division, so it's a, it's across the, the support divisions. Um, so there'll be a, a few people from WordPress.com who are experienced uh, happiness engineers, a few people from Move, a few people from Jetpack, and they will coach and guide the people who've just joined the company uh, in making sure that their journey is, is fairly consistent across the divisions, but also across the teams, because in the past, someone would be hired, given to you as a team lead, and you as a team lead would have a massive impact on on their journey. And there's advantages to that, but I think making sure that there's a little bit of overlap means that you you also have a a fairly consistent experience. Make sure that we we cover all ground instead of the ground that is the the pet peeve or the uh or the um the thing that the lead loves the most. And, and those are things we want to avoid because we want to make sure that people uh, are given the tools from the beginning to to become a good happiness engineer. Well, you're setting them up for success out of the gate, right? Versus, versus that. Onboarding itself, I can attest to this because I'm pretty new there myself. So onboarding is a tough process. Well, that training that you talked about and distribution of knowledge fits nicely into what uh, Ronald was setting me up for to talk about self-service, which is, how and maybe talk a little bit about that how that fits in well with your past too with training and education as well allow giving the information that's needed not only internally but externally so that folks internally and customers externally can help themselves very quickly but also within in a way that helps them to quickly find their answer and not always have to go with that one-on-one interaction. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that fits in and maybe what some of the challenges are or what the future might look like for that? Yeah. I, th- I think the most evident part where we're trying to address this is in, a, is in our documentation. Um, even before I joined Woo, Woo, Woo Themes had moved from having the documentation behind the 
I want to say paywall because only people who were customers had access to the documentation. I'm very happy that that wasn't the case anymore by the time I joined because you are sharing so much insight into how your products work, into how useful it will be for the customer without them needing to contact you, without them needing to test it out. Uh, and I, I see the, the big value of that. Um, when we look at, I, I think at the moment, I would have to check the, the stats, but I think we do about 15,000 interactions on a monthly basis. By contrast, we have over 1 million uh, page views on our documentation on a monthly basis. So I, I think that puts it a little bit into perspective on how important uh, that side of, of the business is. And um, a big uh, part of the, the sales channel, so people purchasing uh, our products, comes via our documentation. So people have actually looked at what does this product look like in terms of setup um, before they purchase it. So it, it's it's not just a matter of help letting customers help themselves. It's also allowing them to already get that preview of, of what does this product look like. Um, so in that sense, I I think documentation is is super important. Um, we've tried at, at Wu to focus a lot on making sure that we have very good guides. Um, one of the things that I do want to see happen more in the future is that we focus on on user guides. We we've done a lot of the, the the manual type approach where you install the plugin, then you click on this in order to do this, you go there, um, and we used to like a, a, I would say five six years ago we did a lot of of use cases where we'd say hey if this is the type of store you want to set up you'll need these plugins this is how you configure them and bring it all together. Um, we aren't doing that a lot anymore, but I think those are very helpful for customers because WordPress in its in its core is a fairly modular, modular uh, system. And as people who work with WordPress a lot, we often know how to navigate those modules. Um, that's difficult for people who don't work with, uh, with, with WordPress. And I, and I think some of the competitors of, of uh, open source go well on that side. They create a, an all-inclusive package, um, which has its downsides and downsides that people often discover later in the game when they want to do something and it's not part of the package and because it's not modular, they can't add anything. But that stepping stone for new WordPress users to to go for that modular approach is, is difficult. So if, if we can show them how to do it, um, that that's a step that I, I think could be super useful. We uh, um, we did that a, a few years ago. I, I worked together with someone from marketing. Um, she wrote a post on people using WooCommerce for selling coffee um, and how that works, what what the metrics are they're looking for, and then on the doc side, I created the the very practical guide. How do you create the WooCommerce subscription site? Um, and and having that tandem where people could read the use case and and the the stories of people selling coffee with on the other hand also here's how you, you want to you want to do it here's how um was was very popular and and we've had positive feedback on, on that regard i can see that you're showing people what's possible yep. and giving them a starting point yep. yeah exactly definitely hey bob wp here and i'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of do the woo if you or your clients 
have a team keeping your Woo shop running smoothly, it's even better to make sure you are on top of what's going on. WP Activity Log helps you or your clients keep track of team changes in WooCommerce, such as changes in the store settings, coupons, orders, products, and a lot more. Now this in turn improves team accountability and meeting those compliance requirements. And what's really cool, WP Activity Log allows you to show your clients what you've been working on during development and even maintenance. So I suggest you get on top of that and visit WPActivityLog.com. Staying on top of things, what about managing all those client projects in one place? The GoDaddy Pro Hub does just that, and it's free. From a single dashboard, you will have control over your client sites, products, and projects in one seamless experience. Save time on repetitive site maintenance tasks. Access all your client accounts with a single sign-on and use tools that improve client collaboration. And top that off with priority support and it's the all-in-one hub. Learn all about it by simply going to dothewoo.io slash hub. And now let's head back to the show. Robbie, I know you, you, you know, training. Is that, um, is that something that you resonate with, that you have to show people the almost the end goal and paint a picture and then go back in in the you know the, the the technical side of things yeah absolutely and and listening to you talk about the your journey to get to where you are there as head of support uh, i'm i've got two two questions actually for you and that is one uh once you got into that role looking back at the training that had been developed when you were from the training side only did you look at it going like Oh man, we should have done this or we should have done that. I'm sure that like seeing it from the other perspective of the of the support person, you're like, "Ooh, we need to increase some, you know, we need to go a little deeper in this or we need to make this a little simpler, things like that." And then the second part of that is, do you also now um offer any kind of soft skills for your support people to understand better how to handle because as you said, most people who hit support, they're probably not in their best frame of mind. <laughs> because they've been trying to fix something for three hours and they're just like, ah. So uh, do you guys do any kind of soft skills training with your support people as well? Um, I'll start with the second one, if you don't mind. Um, sure. One of the big differences between um, b- before the acquisition happened from WooThemes to Automatic was that uh, before that, our support was focused on fixing the problem. And we we didn't pay a lot of attention to um to what surrounds it, the context someone is coming from, uh, whether we're explaining things to them or not. Um, and that's one of the things that automatic has a huge influence in uh, in us changing that culture. So um, we would just, I mean, if, if people were lucky, they would get a high from us. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but we now try to focus a lot more on, on building that relationship. So one of the, the things we've actually discussed uh, this week with, with the leads is is the importance of paraphrasing and validating in, in a chat session. Um, we will have users starting a chat with us and we've noticed that 
paraphrasing what they're experiencing has a massive in influence not just on the the rest of the the chat because uh, we've noticed a lot that what a customer is saying doesn't necessarily mean that that's the actual problem. Uh, they might not know the right terminology, or I should say, we might not know the right terminology because they also have their their frame of mind and the, their context of of what they're thinking they're dealing with. If we jump to a conclusion, if they say, for example, this button isn't working, and we jump to the conclusion that they're right and go on that, and I've, ha I've had that myself a few times, before I know it, I'm 20, 30 minutes further to discover that the actual problem is something entirely different. And paraphrasing helps a lot in, in, um, in making sure that you start off on the right foot, but it also helps to build the relationship you'll have for the next 20 minutes because it, it shows that you're active listening. You're not just telling them where to go. You're trying to understand what their actual problem is. The same goes for um, for how we encourage uh, HEs to guide a user along the way. Um, there's a in, in education, there's a, a, um, a psychologist called Vygotsky who uh, had the principle called zone of proximal development, which um, the, the summary of it is that when you're looking at training and education, you should always push someone's knowledge just outside of their comfort zone out of what they know. You can't go too far because otherwise it, it'll fall through the cracks and they won't pick up anything. But also don't don't stay within what they know because then they won't learn anything. So figuring along the way how to how to find that that specific aspect. When when we're talking to customers, don't just say go there and do that and do that. Explain why we're doing that. Because the chance of them coming back later when they know and they understand why something is is supposed to happen is a lot smaller than if we just tell them. We're training them to come back. So these are are things that they're they're very difficult, I think, to to train in the sense of uh, making a course around it. But these are things that we, as leads, from a very early stage, try to look into when we're doing quality reviews. We we've built a very strong culture in terms of quality reviews. We expect all of our uh, happiness engineers to do quality reviews of each other um, on a weekly basis. Uh, all leads to quality reviews on a weekly basis, um, and and we we even do that in a public uh, in a public channel. So we we don't think that quality is something that should be hidden. It's not, from my perspective, not focused on performance reviews that we're doing this. That plays into it at some point in the year, but the reason we're focusing on quality is to to make sure that we provide good quality for our customers and to help each other grow in that regard. Um, so yeah, I, I think soft skills are are difficult to learn uh, in a course, but it is something that is very much part of our our culture to to look into. Um, and I've learned a lot about that uh, over the years. Um, I uh, I remember at one point, so I used to get fairly upset if people would swear in in a in a chat or a ticket, and uh, I chatted with with an, a more experienced person than me and. He was like, just ignore it. Just move on and focus on their problem, help fix it, and you'll see that they turn around. And there are there are those exceptions of customers who just are in a foul mood uh, or they're just not nice people. There's a few of those, but that's the that's a minority. The, the majority of people are just 
angry because of the frustration they're experiencing and they won't get out of it by you asking them to be nicer to them. Um, so just fix their problem and that's going to fix their their attitude. When it comes to what will you have changed if you look back, that's a very big question. Um, are you talking mostly about the, the training we provided about or about the actual product we've built? No, just the training, like because you were on the training side. And so I was just curious that once you got into support and you were actually literally answering support questions from people, did you look back at the training then and say, oh, we needed to put more into this or, you know, we need to go in more detail here or less detail here or make this a little more high level for someone and then they can dig down. I was just curious if you saw where documentation wasn't working or training wasn't working that you had put together prior to seeing support and how it worked. The, the caveat there is that I, my first three months, I did work in support because they wanted me to get to know the product. And so I didn't start off entirely fresh. It was That was, by the way, super intimidating. I started with within the pre-sales team um, and every single one of the four people there had at some point done over 100 new tickets on a day which is a lot. So these are 100 different questions that they're asking or 100 different emails with questions on how to do something. Um, so that was extremely intimidating. Um, I, I think, and, and it's a pitfall we're still struggling with sometimes. When we're looking at training, we tend to draw the line between internal training and training of our merchants or, or our customers. And it's an artificial line in a lot of cases. A lot of the stuff that we want to want happiness engineers to know could be very useful for, for anyone using WooCommerce. But because it's it's an unfinished work in progress, it gets developed internally and it never reaches the, the documentation, for example. And I I try as much as possible whenever we do look at training to encourage people to edit documentation to add frequently ask questions wherever possible. So rather than keeping it internally to get it out there because we can access the documentation just as easily as, as the internal uh, internal docs we have. That's one of the changes that we do try to look at is making sure that whatever training we have is something that is specific for our team and for our happiness engineers and not something that other people could benefit from. I don't think we're fully succeeding at that yet. I, I think there's room for growth. Um, but that, that's one of the things I I think I, I'd like to see changed. Another one is that, and that's also improving, um, as people, we look at training very linear. Um, I, I want to say as people, but I actually mean as Western people. Uh, that's not a, an international thing. But definitely not a, a cross-cultural approach to, to learning. And we we tend to go with first do this step, then do this step, then do this step. And it's not always the most efficient way to work. It's also often not the best way to work in terms of how people uh, learn things. Um, the, other, the, the other thing I've noticed a few times is that people, there's this talk about learning styles going around. Um, and people, I, I sometimes hear people say, "Oh, this is this is how I learn." And the interesting thing with that is that the the person who developed this approach, Kolb, he saw this as a cyclic process where you start maybe with what you prefer in terms of learning, but then you go through all the things. You don't just learn through practice; 
there's it's necessary to also do some reflection at some point and to take that reflection back and and form a theory about that that you then test out and put into practice again um and i i think our training can sometimes be either super practical but with not enough breathing space to look back and reflect on what what has happened um so those are things that i i I try to look at. Um, we definitely have a lot of space for growth in, in those areas, um, but I, I find it fascinating and, and I'm passionate about making sure that we, we grow those uh, those areas. During the uh, meetup, uh, last meetup for the London WooCommerce meetup, Robert joined us, and it was one of the questions of uh, how did you start with WooCommerce and how did you learn it, and would you have liked to be uh, exposed to a different method or different training or, or manual? And and uh, Robert, maybe you can finish that. Y- y- your point was actually really interesting. Of, of wait, so I have to remember from from yesterday what I actually said. <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, it's more with regard to the terminology of knowing how to ask, what to ask, especially if you're new to WooCommerce. Uh, it isn't always that straightforward. Yeah. So the, the the one thing that really struck me and. There's a total point I want to get back to with regards to pedagogy and all that fun stuff we were just hitting on. But, you know, one of the things is how much one may not know about e-commerce in general and what you you might not even know the right question to ask. So the example I brought into the conversation was cart abandonment. You may not know that that's sort of a term of art that actually, if you know that term, you can find a whole bunch of information that will help guide you through that process. But if all you think in your head is, oh, shouldn't I send an email to someone after they, you know, they, that they, even though they didn't purchase something, I mean, you know, how do you get to that sort of like soft skill stuff that then guides you into a more, you know, specific funnel? Yeah, it's a, it's a super difficult one to tackle, right? Because it's, it's, it's difficult to capture an AI because AI doesn't click that that's what they... I want to do it unless you tell it or unless they've had enough opportunity or it has had enough opportunity. I shouldn't call AI in a day. Uh, what am I thinking? Um, the, but unless it has had the opportunity to learn something, it, it's impossible to guess, right? So a recent example we had was that we, we have a product called Product Vendors and it, it allows you to create a commerce store where other people can sell on your platform. A lot of our customers have no clue that that would be called product vendors. They're asking for an Etsy or an Amazon type store. But before we updated our search terms on our uh, on our documentation, they wouldn't find anything. If they typed Amazon, they would have found Amazon S3, which is cloud storage, which has nothing to do with setting up product vendors. Um, and it's a it's a super tricky area of of uh, supporting because. It, it becomes even more complex when you're looking internationally. Um, there are certain fixed expressions in English. I, I'm obviously now going to struggle to come up with one, but when I joined the company, I had no clue what people were talking about unless I asked. And I, I think if you're a native speaker in a language and a product is built in that language, that's going to be a lot easier for you to, to navigate your way around it. Um, it becomes way more difficult if it's your second or even your third language. Um, and and then how do you get from that side, from the translated aspects uh, or what you think it should be in, in your head um, to the actual terminology you need? I, I had the opposite experience where I I spoke at, a, at an e-commerce event in the Netherlands 
And by that time, I had been working for Wu, but I had been working from South Africa, and my my work was in English. So all my terminology of WooCommerce was in English, and I, I struggled so often to find my words in Dutch because I, I didn't know the e-commerce terms in Dutch. Um, so it's it's very interesting how that can also play a huge role, uh, the the language that you do your uh, your business in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that then brings me to kind of what you were talking, touching on with cards and being proactive. It, it, is, is there an idea to have best practices and standards around certain products for Woo? So you can say, you know, these are the products we support, but this is also the best way to do it. And then cherry pick, you know, certain products for that, you know, opportunity or card. Like if we go back to the coffee shop example, or an Etsy example, you know, it, it, are you guys also, boy, this is a huge multifaceted question. Are you also driving then some of that sales and marketing process at the end of the day by what you're doing on the support side? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our marketplace is growing a lot. So we have, I think the last count was around 160 vendors also selling extensions on WooCommerce.com. And we try to give a balanced view of, of those extensions. If someone reaches out to us and they're saying, I want to do this, the, there's a big uh, likelihood that multiple extensions will do something similar. In that regard, we obviously tend to recommend the things we know best, which is the ones that have been around for a long time, uh, especially if we know the uh, the products well. There's one of the vendors on the marketplace called Somewhere Warm, and they've been with us from the very beginning. Uh, they build great products. We've, we've worked with those products um, I'd happily recommend any of, of their products without a doubt. Um, with some of the other vendors, I don't I don't know that well what their product looks like, how well their support is. So I'm relying a lot on on what they communicate to us. If uh, if some if a vendor pops up regularly in support, that's not a good sign for us because that's not something we want. Um, so yeah, we we do try to find a good balance in that regard. We are currently building into making sure that we can ask users uh, of those products for input. So we have a, a better review system than before. We're looking also into bringing uh, support review, reviews to our marketplace um, because, the, the mar- as I said, the marketplace is growing and I, I want to avoid where we end up with a system where I, at one point, just for tests, opened a, a chat with Shopify and I knew they had two, two plugins or whatever it's called in, in Shopify that that did uh, subscriptions. I just asked the the person in chat which one should I use of the two, and they were extremely vague and beating around the bush. And I found it extremely irritating. So I tend to encourage HEs to just, if you have no clue, look at the the product listing, look at the documentation because it says a lot, a lot about the quality of the product. Do a quick test. You have access to the, the extension. See how good the UX is and, and make genuine recommendations. Um, that's definitely one side. We also will recommend things that we've built ourselves, obviously, because we know those really well and we know who, who built those. Um, and we, I, I don't think I'm going to claim that all of our products are super user-friendly, but especially the newer ones, um, I'm really excited about. Uh, we've uh, 
we've acquired subscriptions two years ago. Uh, the Prosper team also is before when they were still a vendor on our marketplace. Those were were products that I would not think twice to recommend because not just the actual product, but also the support people behind it. So I'm very glad that they're not part of our company. The other thing that I, I see amazing progress on is WooCommerce payments. Um, that uh, that's making it so much easier for uh, for customers to or for merchants to to work with payments. And rather than having to go to a different dashboard somewhere else, they can just stay within the the WordPress interface, uh, which is which is amazing. Also, from a support point of view, are you excited that it's going to roll out? Yeah, I mean, will that make life a lot easier for you? Yeah, it's 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 great in the sense that we have a lot more access to what is happening, right? With when it comes to the payment gateways that are offsites, uh, Square, Stripe, uh, PayPal, there's so many different options, uh, all depending on on which country you're based in. But there's a point where we can we can test the API, and if that's working fine, we can look at at the information that's being sent. But what ha- what's happening on the other side? We can also see if there's a, a response, but that's it. We don't, we can't verify what's happening on the other side. So the the support process is way more difficult in those cases than than with WooCommerce payments, where we have we have an extra layer. So WooCommerce payments is built on top of Stripe, and we have a layer where we see a lot of the information we would need to help help merchants out. Uh, plus, again, they don't need to leave. We don't even need to have that layer because if we have access to the, the side of the customer, which in a lot of cases they will give us if, if needed, we can see those details because those details are there. Um, so yes, the support is a lot easier with, with a product like WooCommerce Payments. And I mean, if something's broken, if it's built in-house, it's a lot easier to nag a developer to fix it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the the future. Um, I know WooCommerce Payments is coming, well, has just come out in six other uh, countries. Uh, Tonya, you, you're always big on vision and future and and think much bigger. I mean, how many WooCommerce installs at the moment? Four, four and a half million or five million, something along those lines, I think. Yeah, I, I think we're, so we've started looking uh, more at active stores, so stores that are doing something uh, rather than, than the amount of downloads. And I th- don't quote me on this. I'm being recorded, right? So this is difficult. Um, but I think we're we're looking at about 350,000 active stores. Um, but I might be slightly off. So um, don't don't be too strict on me. But if if we're looking at that, it's a, it, it's a big amount of people. And we are looking to to grow or to, the product team is looking to grow. And at the moment, a lot of our efforts are focused on WooCommerce payments um, because it's such an in, integral part of uh, of what people are doing. If you, if you can't accept payments, you don't really count as e-commerce. So um, it's a very, it's a pretty vital step in, in the whole e-commerce process and making it as easy as possible for people who don't have a WordPress background to work with, with payments. Um, so that's that's getting a lot of our focus and attention at the moment. We are very engaged with making sure that it's available for more merchants than than just those six countries. Um, we are very close to launching another four. I think they're already listed on our documentation. I think Italy, Spain, Germany, and was the and France are coming very soon. Um, 
which I happened to have looked a few weeks ago. Uh, those 10 countries together cover 10, uh, sorry, 50% of our active stores. So it, that's a huge win. So that's, it's amazing that we're getting there. Um, we don't want to stop with just 50%. We also don't want to stop at 100%. We want to get to those countries that, um, that we aren't very present in. And localization plays a big, big part in that and, and making the right partnerships. So yeah, we've we've started. No, we started. We've continued to make sure that we build good partnerships with key partners in in each of of the at the moment bigger countries. But we make sure that the experience also with the onboarding is is localized. So I'm based in South Africa. Uh, throughout the onboarding process, the payment gateways that will be recommended to me will be. The ones that work here, I won't be recommended anything that's that doesn't work here. Um, so that that's a very important aspect. When when we're looking at growing support, one of the things we're noticing is that the the type of merchant slash customer we're dealing with is expanding. While we would in the past mostly deal with developers, there's a big chunk of of our customers that are now just shop managers. They want to have their shop working and they need help with that, which is a, a different type of user to deal with. Um, it also means that sometimes their their problems are of a different nature than uh, than a developer. A developer often isn't too worried if if something happens now or tomorrow. If if you set right expectations, it's a Friday, it's right for before the weekend, this customer their customer isn't that worried about getting it fixed. So they're less insistent. But as we are working towards WooCommerce payments, if if your payment gateway is broken, you want to get that fixed right now because you're losing money if, if it's not the case. So I'm going to ask you next year about the sleepless nights because that might be a totally different thing then, isn't it? Yes. But taking on this extra responsibility. Yes. So And, and that's a big responsibility and, and we want to be there for, for our customers. And we've... Um, a few years ago, started doing some coverage in the weekends, and now we are hopefully by the end of the year working towards getting twenty four seven support, making sure that not necessary to always fix problems straight away, but that at least to do some triaging to make sure that we do help those customers who urgently need help, but also make sure that those who have a problem that could be fixed tomorrow still have have a first interaction with us. We make sure that we understand their problem, that we have all the right details to do the troubleshooting tomorrow, and and make sure that they feel heard in in, in that regard. So that's a, that's a big change from the support perspective that's coming, and that's something that we still are figuring out. Our marketplace is is growing, also the products we own ourselves, and a few years ago, and I, I told you earlier in the episode that that I would get back to that. We, we had a point where we had specialized teams, but the downside of that is that you, first of all, are very dependent on, on who is available in the spot to help out. When you have time zone based teams, you don't want shipping to be something in Asia Pacific, uh, payment something in the, in Europe, uh, Middle East and Africa and, uh, pre-sales. In, in the Americas, you want to make sure that every person in every time zone can 
ask questions and get an answer for that. So that's one side that we want to make sure that we can answer those questions. The other one is that if you're specialized, you're likely to lose a bit of overview. I think it's a it, it adds a lot of value if the person you're chatting with can get that overview. You can see, oh, this, this problem you're experiencing with shipping, I think that might actually be a problem with your payment gateway as well. Let me zoom out a bit and have a look at that quickly. Or I'm noticing that your store is growing fast. Um, if you're just in payments, you'll be like, oh, the payment gateway can handle that. If you have that overview, you'll be able to say, hey, I, I, I noticed that your site is quite slow. You may have to hire a developer to do some uh, optimization. Maybe you need to change your, your hosting platform to handle uh, an increase in traffic. And that's one of the challenges we faced as, as, uh, as specialists is that you don't have that overview. The other side of the coin is that now that our marketplace is growing, it becomes impossible to know everything. And we're, we're at the moment figuring out how to navigate that. How do we keep still being generalists for the things that we should be generalists on? while at the same time making sure that people can dive deep in certain plugins and be fairly oblivious to other plugins and, and extensions. And we're being okay with that. So that's that's one of the things that we'll definitely be navigating in the, in the near future. That, that, that sounds suspiciously like getting into a consultative solutions group kind of scenario. Would, would, would you be stepping on the toes of, possible agencies and developers in that regard or um i don't think so like we we aren't i think we can build partnerships with with agencies but we we have we have a few good partnerships with agencies and and with experts we do try to stick quite well to to what our products are to focus more on the sales and support aspect rather than looking at the, the development side of things. Um, we th That's not what we're there for. Um, we have, th there's also tons of people in the WordPress world who are better at, at that than us um, and, and who would give a much better experience to the customer. We, I, I see our role much more in saying, hey, I'm noticing this, I think you should hire a developer rather than let us do it for you. Um, and sometimes it's difficult because our team members really like doing troubleshooting, like figuring things out. Sometimes we we do go a bit further than than we probably should in terms of even configuration. Like I, I think it's good that we help customers in the process. But if someone has no clue how to set up a subscription site, they need a developer. They don't need help from from happiness. We're we're the ones who are helping them read the instruction manual, do the troubleshooting, but not and figure something for them. Uh, so so no, I don't see that. I, I see it as an opportunity to grow those partnerships to make sure that we do get them in touch with, with developers we trust and value a lot, uh, to get them in touch with hosting platforms that we believe are, are good for uh, growing platforms. Usually we ask the guests as well if they have questions uh, or a question to, to all of us. Uh, we all have different backgrounds. Do you have anything you'd like to ask us? I would be very interested. Has any one of you ever chatted with support or had an interaction with support? And what was your experience? What would you have liked to see different, or uh, or what would you appreciate? What did you appreciate? Well, I have, in fact, a couple of years ago, and 
I must say the, the the chat makes it a lot more personal. And what you've said earlier about how you you know deal with with people and identify the problem um, uh, that I remember that I remember exactly that that uh, scenario. And I'm not sure if I was uh, supported enough that it solved the problem, but at least I I felt there was an ear listening to me. Going back a couple of years ago, I think before chat, where you would send a problem, and this is maybe then also, maybe in my my personal case, but also from what I've heard, whether you don't explain the problem well enough because you assume that a, a, a happiness engineers know exactly what what you know what's going on, you know, can you disable all plugins? Can you uh, uh, activate a vanilla site? And that cycle it can be quite frustrated, uh, frustrating as a user. So. I think the, the the chat for sure has helped to, like you said, the triage dealing with with problems. So I think it for, it's a good a, a good thing. Yeah. I was going to quickly say that that one of the things that we've tried to emphasize a lot in the last few years is the the conflict test aspect is sometimes necessary, but I I try to drill new people uh, on only using that as a last resort because it's so intrusive. Uh, and invasive in, in in your website, like you don't want to do a, a conflict test. I, I do think that the help check plugin uh, of .org is amazing in that regard. So if you haven't tried that, that's install it on your website. It's such a great tool. It's not always possible to use for for testing some of the things we need to do uh, with WooCommerce. But yes, I I think you make a very valid point that that's something that we try to uh, focus on a lot. Um, I, I think the challenge with that comes that a lot of our happiness engineers don't run WooCommerce stores, so they're like, "Oh, just disable plugins." I'm like, "No, this is this is intrusive. This is this is a live website that's that's making money. That that's a last resort." Has anybody else got any first-hand experience, or maybe um, or heard from clients? I, I I've actually used this support a couple of times, and I mean, I I can't. I can't remember exactly what it even was for. I think it's probably like an, a year ago, uh, but I did get my answers. So, I mean, I guess it was a pleasant experience because I don't remember it as being otherwise. And believe me, I have had some really bad yeah. uh, support experiences, as I'm sure all of us have. So, yeah, I mean, I got my questions answered. I was kind of in and out of the support. Yeah, you don't want people to uh, to remember you. <laughs> I, I do have a quick question. I know we're almost out of time, but um do you guys keep historical information so that each uh, help desk person can see that you know the the, the support uh, history of the client that they're working with? Yes, we do. Um, I mean, there's obviously with the GDPR rules, we we also have boundaries to that. Um, it is often very helpful. Mm-hmm. We also try to leave notes on customers if, for example, they've done amazing work for us before and. We we sometimes we leave a note like if they're asking for a coupon or for a for a test, just just go with it. We try to. We recently had a discussion where we noticed that we started being a bit. How would I say our notes would set up a bias beforehand, and that's something we're trying to get rid of um, because you don't want to start a conversation and it already says this is a difficult customer. Um, so we try to use. Um, more neutral language in, in that regard. But yes, we do keep that. And also the the history of, of a chat and the tickets often reveals the answer for future chats. So we encourage HEs to um, 
to do a search and figure out if someone else has answered this problem. Uh, ideally, we also add to that step, if you see more than five people, make sure that that's a duck so people can see it in the, uh, on our website. Nice. Um, Tony, I'm going to ask you now, where did you go on holiday? <laughs> I knew you'd get back to that. Actually, we did a staycation, uh, stayed around our local area of, uh, we had gotten fully vaccinated right before uh, staycation started, and it was our first opportunity in over a year to actually go to our family's house, hug them, be with them, go to the things, the local stores and the local area things that we enjoy, and walk in and sit down and do some things. So Sounds lovely. I'm so glad I asked that because that, that makes me feel good and, and quite positive about the future as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it it was what was odd about it and I'll just I know we're running long on time, but what was odd about it was it was odd. It was ab- it felt abnormal. Yeah. That normal a year ago is now feels abnormal and that was a very odd thing to try to come to terms with. Yeah, it's almost like you need a happiness engineer to walk you through coming back into life. You need some new onboarding. Yes, it's yes, <laughs> a wizard to, to to explain how this hugging business goes. And I yeah. do that, would you? <laughs> when when our so our, our daughter was born in in uh, in the midst of of uh, one of our, our COVID peaks, and um, I mean it was obviously already emotional. But at one point, the gynae hugged us both, and I I was overwhelmed because I hadn't had a hug from anyone but my wife in I don't know five six months. So it was. It, it's weird this 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 event. It's it's really weird, and I'm looking forward to hugging being a normal thing anymore. Yeah, just a, a normal word camp where we can see all the happiness engineers exactly and uh, see they are all all people. Um, I just want to do a really quick round for all of you. Just a quick question, maybe a, a super quick answer, something that's been on your mind throughout this uh, episode that you'd like an answer on. Um, Tonya, do you want to kick off? Have you got a quick one for uh, for your? <laughs> I've had one kind of gnawing at me because we we talk about uh, the happiness engineers encountering someone who's not happy coming in, and how how do you set them up for? We talked about people being able to thrive and flourish. How's that handled? I know that's probably a very big question, but maybe just a short answer of what's the space to help the happiness engineers be able to decompress. Yeah, so um, especially in chat, it's, it's often very difficult on the spot. And we, we do have a policy that if if you're not able to handle a difficult customer at the spot or, or right now, sure, we'll help you later how to do, the, do it better next time, but just transfer it to someone else. We've One of the reasons that we, we, we don't list names on our, our chat uh, bots, that's because we want to be able to transfer without the customer noticing. Um, and this is one of the scenarios where we would say just just give it to someone else and someone who's who has more energy to deal with that today. Um, so that's one of the ways that we try to empower HEs. Uh, Robert, one quick one for you. Quick one, quick one. I'm I'm just so excited about the trajectory of WooCommerce these days. I guess the quick one is yes, I know WooCommerce is its own company with its own products and services. I'm thinking like third parties that aren't in the store or, you know, some, is there like a greater su- support plan? So we do. Um, well, first of all, we do also monitor as happiness engineers the org forums. So we, 
we provide support there as well. Um, and that's a place where you don't need to be a paying customer of ours to get help. Um, the reason that we point free users to that is that it's public. So it's it makes that we can reuse whatever support we've provided. Um, so that's one area. The second one is that we have um, someone who is full-time focused on, on developer uh, and community building uh, in that regard. So he, for example, has worked in moving the developer-specific um, docs from, from our docs website over to the developer platform of Woo. Uh, because we do believe it's the business is built on the idea that if other people can build their business on Woo, then we're going to do well. Um, and that's a system that's worked well, amazingly in the past years. I think that's something we need to keep on uh, on focusing and making sure that other people can thrive as well. Nice. Robbie, have you got one? I've got a really quick one. How often do you guys meet as a team? Um, as the whole division, I actually think not. We regularly have town halls, uh, but we do that on a happiness level. So that's with uh, all happiness engineers because the, the experience is fairly shared. There's a lot of overlap, a lot of similar challenges, similar opportunities. So we have those, I, I would say, once every two months. We have a town hall uh, with a CEO with the whole company every month. Each individual team will have a, a meeting on a weekly basis. As team leads, we meet weekly. Um, and I also try to, this is actually the week that I'm doing them, but each six months I try to have a, a call with each team as well where they, they can ask me anything, uh, what's on their mind. Um, I, I, I said this to a few teams, but I'm always surprised how little they make use of the anything part in that. They, they're often very nice questions. <laughs> Um, so I'm always prepping and expecting to be grilled, but people don't take advantage of it. Um, I've got I've got one question. I know um, WooCommerce is a huge asset to to WordPress, and you know WordPress, knowing there is an there's an e-commerce extension available. Do you see, especially in the last twelve months, do you see people and maybe more people coming from WooCommerce to to WordPress? And has that got some new challenges? Um, and you know, in terms of education, yes, I don't. Uh, th there are more people making that move um, because people are just googling web shop and finding what the solutions are. Interestingly, that those conversations happened a lot when I uh, attended that e-commerce conference that I was talking about earlier in the Netherlands. There's a, a conference called Webwinkelvakdagen, which means uh, the e-commerce labor days lots of people there have never heard of woocommerce i even at one point made my round through the the, the boots and someone of a local shipping company tried to convince me that uh, uh that i should get into e-commerce and uh and maybe he was like should we do you want to build a partnership with us and i, I asked him have you while well, i work for WooCommerce, have you heard of it and he was like no not really what do you do um, so I was like, okay, this is this is new and interesting. This is not a WordCamp experience. Um, so yes, I, we have experienced that, and I I think that the result of that we've invested a lot in in UX people at the company. We have a lot of designers who focus on making things as simple as possible, and and I see that move within WordPress as a whole. I if you just look at where WordPress is now, there was a lot of hesitation and and lots of challenges around Gutenberg, for example, but to any new user that I've 
I've shown how to use WordPress, they found that very easy to use uh, in comparison to... That's so true. That's so true. My my own son, just just like that, he finds the the, the, the classic editor so old-fashioned. How could you possibly use that? So yeah, you're right. There, there's a lot of reluctance. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's that's a trend we see across the board, and I'm happy with that. And I, it similar to how I am always happy when there's new people joining our division. I think people from outside of the WordPress world joining the the WordPress world is exciting because they bring new questions and challenges to the table. Yeah. And I think it ultimately helps build a better product. I think that's how we started the conversation. And I, I think that's a perfect ending as well. I do have one a small personal question. How can you live in a country where you find snakes behind your television set? And and for anybody who is who's wondering what I'm talking about, Job has a, has a beautiful blog, um, lots of stories on there. And I, I did a quick search and wow, that's uh, that's quite amazing. Yeah. I have to say, in the eight years that I've been here, I've only had a few snake encounters. That was the only one that petrified me. Um, there was a bone slung, which is a, which is one of the, I think, top three most dangerous snakes in the, in the country, in our cabin. Uh, luckily, in Cape Town, I've, in Cape Town itself, I've never seen a snake. So, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's Yop J O B Text T E X. Or just go via my blog, which is job.blog. I think lots of people check out the, the snake story now. But um, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, um, thank our sponsors. We have we have pot we have friends pot friends they call. Uh, first one is uh, GoDaddy Pro, and we all, um, you can check them out on uh, do forward slash hub. And we have WP Activity Log, and you can check them out on wpactivitylog.com. I think you. You could have guessed that one. Um, so thank you to those uh, to the pod friends to make this all possible. Robbie, Robert, Tonya, thank you so much for joining me again uh, as uh, as panelists of the Do the Woo Roundtable. And Job, thank you so much for giving up your time and giving us a good insight of what uh, the support team does, but also the whole culture within WooCommerce. I find that fascinating. And of course, your own journey, how you you know how you've influenced your background, how that influence where WooCommerce is today. So thank you very much and see you all again next month.